Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Scotland tells of a mother's dramatic rescue of her child. Workmen were blasting rock in a quarry. One day after they had attached the fuse and retired to a safe place and gave the alarm for the blast, they saw a three-year-old child wandering across the open space where danger threatened. Every passing second meant death was closing in on that child. The workmen called to this child and waved their arms, but He only looked on their strange antics with amusement. No man dared run forward knowing the explosion was only seconds away. The child most certainly would have been killed had not his mother appeared at this moment of crisis. Taking in the situation at a glance, she did what her mother's heart dictated. She did not run toward her son or yell to frighten him. Instead, she knelt down opened wide her arms, and smiled for him to come. And instantly, the child ran towards her. Shortly later, the area shook with the force of the explosion, yet the child was safe in his mother's arms. And that's a good picture of the cross. Each of us faces the eternal danger of the lake of fire, but with outstretched arms on the cross, Christ gives his gracious invitation to the world, wanting us to come to him for eternal safety. And when you trust what he did for you on that cross, that he died for your sins personally and rose again, you are saved and you are safe in the arms of Christ forever. John three twelve to 14 read, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In John 3, the Lord has a conversation with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus, who, I always find it amusing, came to Christ by night (laughs) to question him about his miracles. He wanted to do it under hiding without anybody knowing. The Lord tells Nicodemus in verse 12 that he had taught him the truth using basic earthly illustrations and he didn't grasp or believe the spiritual truth in them as he had just taught Nicodemus using the illustrations of birth and the wind. Christ then tells this teacher who is asking for further understanding that if he taught him deeper spiritual heavenly truths, how would he grasp or believe that when he didn't get what he'd said earlier? Knowledge of deeper spiritual heavenly wisdom was only possible through him, the Son of Man who came from heaven. Because as he says, no man has ever gone to heaven and then come back to the earth to teach about heavenly divine matters and truth. As the Son of Man who came from heaven, 
That teaches that he is the pre-existent one. He is eternal. He is God. And he has authority. He has the wisdom to teach. And his, wis- his witness is to be believed. And he proceeds then to tell Nicodemus that the Son of Man came down to the earth from heaven and the Son of Man was to be lifted up from the earth. The Lord uses this up and down contrast here. He says that no man has gone up to heaven and come back down to teach men. The Son of Man came from above down to the earth but would be lifted up from the earth. And what he's talking about there is that he would be lifted up from the earth at the cross. Moses in the Pentateuch, the first five books of your Bible, was very important to a Pharisee such as Nicodemus, and he was very familiar with them. So the Lord goes there to teach Nicodemus. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. In this passage, the people of Israel were journeying during their 40-year wilderness wandering. They had recently traveled from Mount, the Mount Hor area near the Red Sea to the borders of Edom, near where Petra is located. The people were discouraged and began getting cranky and murmured in the wilderness against Moses because of the difficulty of the journey, because of the difficulty of the terrain. The way was hard. There were mountains to climb and deserts to cross. They spoke against God and against Moses. That God had just taken them out of Egypt to just die in the wilderness, they said. They were doubting the goodness of God here. They murmured at the scarcity of food and the scarcity of water. And they also complained about this light bread, as it says there, or the manna. They were tired of the manna. God had provided the manna, bread from heaven, and bountiful supply each morning for years so the Israelites would not starve. When it first started coming, though, they were excited about it. They were thankful for it, but over time, they'd gotten tired of it. And now, they were bellyaching about it. We don't know exactly what manna was, but Keith Drury humorously has compared it to oatmeal. He said this, I generally like oatmeal. In fact, I could eat it just about every day, at least for a while. But I think I'd get tired of it if that's all I got for every meal every day for years and years. Hey, Ma, what's for breakfast? Oatmeal. Ma, what's for lunch? Oatmeal. What's for supper, Ma? Oatmeal. Hey, Ma, what's for Thanksgiving dinner? Oatmeal. What's for Christmas dinner, Ma? Oatmeal. 
deal with it. The Israelites are a picture of mankind as a whole. What they did is often what we would have done too in their situation had we been there. And we likely would have been just like the Israelites with the manna and started complaining after a while too instead of being grateful for it. In both their attitudes and their words, the Israelites were tempting the Lord and trying His patience and forbearance by their murmuring, which was a dangerous thing to do. In 1 Corinthians 10.9, Paul wrote the body of Christ about this episode. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Because of their incessant grumbling and murmuring as a punishment, in verse 6 we learn how God, without warning, sent fiery, deadly, poisonous serpents among the camp of Israel. These snakes were suddenly everywhere among the people. The venomous bites from these snakes inflicted a fiery inflammation and a burning sensation. Many were bit. They were suffering. Many died. Many were dying. There was no antidote. They were unable to save themselves. The people panicked and began crying out and admitting that they had sinned. They knew it was a result of their sin, that they were dying and facing God's judgment as a result of it. And this is where we need to begin in order to be saved by the cross of Christ. We need to admit What the Israelites actually say here, we have sinned. We must begin by seeing ourselves as God sees us, that we are sinners. And all of us are. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the good news is that God loves sinners and Christ died for sinners. As Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The people of Israel began begging Moses to intercede and pray to God for them. And Moses, as their intercessor, did so immediately. As verse 7 says, And Moses prayed for the people. God in His grace and mercy then provided a remedy. But the Lord didn't answer in the way people might have expected. He did not just remove the snakes and heal the ones who had been bitten automatically. Instead, God made a provision for those who were bitten by the snakes. In the receiving of His help and deliverance from death was dependent upon their faith. The Lord offered salvation from the bite of the serpents by commanding Moses to make a fiery serpent, to make a serpent out of brass, that is, resembling in appearance the snakes that were attacking and biting the people. It was made from brass because in the symbolism of scripture brass is the emblem of divine judgment in revelation 115 christ is seen as a judge and it says that his feet were like unto fine brass moses was to make this serpent and then the lord told him to put it on a pole for all to see The Lord said to Moses that any bitten person who lifted up their eyes and looked at the serpent on the pole would be healed and they would live. They would be saved by their faith and obedience. And those who looked up at the serpent were saved. Moses did as the Lord commanded. He made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and then told the people what the Lord told him. 
that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Numbers 21.9 says that everyone who took God at his word, who believed and obeyed God and looked at the fiery bronze snake on the pole, were healed. There was no hope for a person who was dying unless he looked at the fiery serpent on that pole. There were likely people who were suffering and so far gone with the venom and poison of those serpents that they had to be carried out of their tents to be brought into the position to look at that serpent up on the pole. And if they just lifted their eyes to look on that brazen serpent, they were healed. No matter how sick, how close to death, even if they were only a minute from death, if they turned their eyes and they looked on that brazen serpent, immediately death was defeated and they lived. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Dispensationalism, The Ages and Dispensations in God's Word, is a 28-page booklet written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. This booklet outlines what the Scriptures say concerning how God has dispensed His will to mankind in the ages and dispensations. An understanding of the dispensation of God is essential to properly interpret the Word of God. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. John 3, verses 14 to 15 read, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now fast forward from this episode with the snakes back in Israel's past in the wilderness. Fast forward 1,500 years and the Lord in John 3 is approached by a high-profile religious leader named Nicodemus under the cover of darkness who has some questions for Christ. And the Lord likens his death to the old story in Numbers chapter 21 of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he says, just like Moses lifted up that serpent, so the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. Christ used the bronze serpent to illustrate his own death on the cross of Calvary. It was the Lord Jesus Christ himself who gave Moses that command about the serpent 1,500 years earlier. He knew from eternity how he would come from heaven to the earth to die and pay sin's penalty being lifted up at the cross. Sin originally came to mankind through the influence of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Now my wife hates snakes. I mean, she really hates them. She's deathly afraid of them. Snakes are scary, and they're scary looking. Imagine 
hundreds of thousands of snakes slithering around at once, biting people with a fiery venom. That's a scary thought. And sin and its consequences is also scary. Sin has fearful consequences of eternal death in the lake of fire. We've each been bitten by a serpent. All mankind has been bitten by sin. And we are all dying in our sins as a result of that deadly snake bite of sin. And the same way that the children of Israel, carrying the deadly poison of the bite of that fiery snake, could be delivered from death only by looking up by faith at a brazen serpent. So it is that all sinners today carrying that poison of sin can be delivered from death just by looking up to the cross by faith, trusting that Christ died for our sins and rose again. The bronze serpent provided physical healing and physical life to dying Israelites. Christ provides spiritual healing and spiritual eternal life to those dying in their sins. By simply looking up to Christ in faith, believing in Him, Israel then and we too today find life and salvation from eternal death. But in the time period of the Gospels here, when Christ spoke to Nicodemus about the cross, belief in Christ was about believing as as he says later in this book, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name, as it says in chapter 20, verse 31. The cross and the resurrection showed and clearly revealed Christ to be Israel's Messiah. That is how they looked at the cross by faith, belief in Christ as their Messiah. And that brought them the forgiveness of their sins and redemption by the cross. And as the Lord told Nicodemus here in verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him, that that is, that he is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Son of God, should not perish, but have eternal life. But today under grace, it's different. And through Paul's gospel, we are taught to look at the cross And trust in what Christ did for us there. That Christ died for our sins and rose again the third day. There are two different ways taught in Scripture to look at the cross by faith and to be saved. And today we must trust the way Christ has revealed for us to be saved under grace. By trusting His finished work and that He paid sin's penalty for us. That fiery, deadly serpent was a picture of sin. And becoming like that uplifted, fiery, brass serpent reminds us that Christ was made sin for us. He became a curse for us. He took our sins upon Himself and faced the fire of God's divine judgment. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God hath made Him, or Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. 
the serpent was a picture of the curse. And it was a picture of the curse of sin which has bitten all of us. And on the cross, Christ was lifted up and Christ became a fiery serpent for us. He was made sin for us, made a curse for us as all of our sins were placed on him and he was lifted up for you and for me. And the reason it was a fiery serpent is because it pictured as he was lifted up and as he was made sin, he faced the fire of God's judgment and wrath against our sins for us on the cross. At that cross, the fire of the Father's justice and His judgment was fully poured out on God the Son. And His fury was just unleashed on Christ. And the undiluted wrath of a sin-hating Father fell upon His sin-filled Son. And the fire of God's wrath enveloped Him. He was our sin-bearing substitute. Our sins were poured into Him and God poured out His wrath on, on His Son. And Christ took the wrath and the judgment that we deserved. And He made full satisfaction for our sins. And we who have placed our faith in the finished work of Christ to save us are safe from judgment, safe from wrath. There are no sins left to judge as we have trusted Christ because all of our sins are taken away. As the following poem says, The flames of God's judgment can never touch me, for Christ hath borne all God's wrath on the tree. I now stand secure in the burned-over place, a sinner unworthy yet saved by His grace. Christ had told Nicodemus that he must be born again in verse 7. And now he tells him that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he must be lifted up so that mankind, which, had been, which has been bitten by the serpent of sin, might have new birth and eternal life that has been provided by his finished work and his resurrection. Just as people looked upon the snake on a pole, we look to the sin-bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the cross, whose death for our sins sets us free from sin and death. All mankind finds life and salvation from their sins only through looking to Christ and the cross. It was such a simple thing to be delivered from death by the snake bite. Just look at the fiery bronze serpent on the pole. And it's a simple thing to be delivered from eternal death caused by the snake bite of sin today. Just look at the cross and trust Him. When we look at the cross, what we see as the cross comes into a sharper focus is the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the righteousness and justice of God. We see Christ being made sin for us, paying for our sins as our substitute, paying God's righteous demands against our sins. As we look at the cross, we see freedom, we see redemption. By it, we are set free from the bondage of our sins. We are set free from the chains of death. We are set free to be with God for all eternity. Romans 6.23 reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Somebody has to die for sin. Either we die for our sins eternally in hell, or we believe that Christ died for our sins on the cross and he takes our sins and eternal death away. Whoever looks to Christ in the cross, believing that he died for their sins, is saved from the penalty of all their sins, and is forgiven and has eternal life through Jesus Christ. With Israel's snakebite and deliverance in the wilderness, it's important to know that it was not enough to just know that salvation was offered. Each person, individually, had to look for themselves. Otherwise, God's provision did not save them. Each of the snakebite Israelites were confronted with a decision to look up and live or to not look up and die. And the decision was up to them. God would not force himself on anyone. It seems like a simple thing. And you'd think that we would each say that I know what I would do if I was there. I'd be, I'd be looking up at that bronze snake for sure. But Numbers 29 says that when anyone looked at the bronze snake, he lived. The text teaches that while the provision was there for everyone, that not everyone was automatically healed, and the text implies that not everyone looked. The cure offered by God was a test of faith for the Israelites. This command to look at a bronze fiery snake for the cure from a snake bite couldn't be rationalized. There was no logical connection between looking at a bronze snake and being cured of a snake bite. The opportunity for life was there, but if their stubbornness or their pride got in the way and they didn't look, it cost them their lives needlessly. But the ones who obeyed by faith, admitting, I have no other choice. If I want the healing and deliverance that God offers for this fatal snake bite, I need to do what God says and look at that snake. And when they looked, they lived. And for many, the cross seems like foolishness. Utterly absurd to think that just by faith in one man's death on the cross that I have the forgiveness of all my sins, eternal life, and the sure hope of heaven. And they refuse to come to God God's way. And stubbornness and pride gets in the way, and it will cost them their lives needlessly. Deliverance from sin's penalty of eternal death comes only by faith in the means provided for by God for our life and salvation, which is the cross of God's Son. And when we look to the cross by faith and receive the free gift of God's salvation, we live, and we live eternally. We're not all automatically saved. The provision is available for all. But you must place your faith on what Christ did for you at the cross. That he died for your sins personally. And whoever believes in him has the gift of eternal life and is saved from the snake bite of sin. As Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The cross is the power of God unto salvation. It has the power to save us and free us from all of our sins. And the cross also has the power to transform our lives by God's grace. And may that be so for each of us. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.